Greetings and welcome to Eastern Promise. Yes, this is Eastern Promise, where we explore the full potential of the East of England. I'm Mike Rigby, and it's both my mission and my pleasure to support the sustainable, social, environmental, cultural and economic growth of the region. This week, it's been a long wait, but at last, I can share my chat with a man so cool he makes Penguin shiver. Chief Operating Officer of Tech East, Tim Robinson. Together, we'll be taking in the grand sweep of the East of England's superlative tech sector. <laughs> but that's not all. The Eastern Promise coverage of Sink the City concludes with the grand finale as the judges reveal their scores. And finally, butchers, bakers, candlestick makers. Who doesn't love a little shop? Let's find the sweetest spot on your high street in this week's Crowd Sorcery. But first, let's catch up with the news in the east of England. And it is big news for the region. After Suffolk's county deal was announced in the autumn statement, all eyes turned to Norfolk to see how negotiations with the government would pan out. And last week, the waiting ended, with the announcement of the new Norfolk county deal. I'll let leader of Norfolk County Council, Andrew Proctor, explain in his own words. I'm Councillor Andrew Proctor, I'm the leader of Norfolk County Council. The first headline really is, this does bring in additional money. The devolution deal period is 30 years. Now we're looking at 20 million pounds a year investment fund each year for those 30 years. So that alone is 600 million pounds. That's the sort of investment that government are prepared to put into Norfolk. That's the first thing. The second thing really is those powers and responsibilities where we don't have to go to government to ask for things, those powers and responsibilities will be devolved to the County Council so we can make local decisions affecting the things that we do locally. The benefits really is the additional money, the opportunity and how we can make things work better locally. We want to hear what people have got to say about this for the future, the future of our county. We know from our engagement with businesses and our district council colleagues that this is the sort of thing that they've got the priorities set in, into the way the deal is structured, so people can see all the things we want to do for the future. Businesses want to see us being proactive in putting their case forward. We want to work with them, we want to work with all the people concerned to make sure whatever we do from this is a deal for Norfolk for the future. This is not intended to be local government reorganisation. This is intended actually to work to make sure that we can work better together, I would suggest. Devolution is 
taking powers downwards from central government to local government. It's around how we can devolve those powers and responsibilities from government, but also to make sure that we can work better with our district council colleagues, our boroughs and cities, because they have a pivotal role to play in this as well. This is the catalyst for working better together with them across the whole piece. That video was produced by Norfolk County Council and is now available on YouTube. Eastern Promise applauds this development, as investment in the region is undoubtedly a good thing. Although much detail remains to be settled, this is undoubtedly a positive step, and I hope to be able to discuss the deal with Councillor Andrew Proctor and his counterpart in Suffolk, Councillor Matthew Hicks, in due course. And that's all for this week. Send your press releases, statements, titbits and tidings to newsdesk at easternpromise.site. It's mid-December 2022, and it's the season of good cheer. Whether in anticipation of Christmas or the World Cup still underway in Qatar, although it is slightly less good cheer for England. And speaking of team sports, how about this for a segue? The East of England's tech sector has a lot in common with the sporting side. Each member of the team, whether Norwich, Cambridge, Colchester, Ipswich or any point in between, brings a unique set of skills to the pitch. Cambridge is the inspirational talisman. Think Roy Keane, Leah Williamson or Paolo Maldini. Adastral Park in Suffolk owns the midfield and unlocks the breakout plays. Colchester is the winger with energy in abundance and Norwich is the mercurial centre-forward bursting with raw talent. To navigate the tactics and team play of the sector and to complete this somewhat tortured footballing metaphor, I turned to Tech East's answer to Gary Lineker, Chief Operating Officer Tim Robinson. Well, it's it's a uh, slightly gloomy overcast morning here in Suffolk, and but it what is absolutely not gloomy is Tim Robinson, of Chief Operating Officer of Tech East, who is my guest on Eastern Promise today. Tim, thank you so much for your time. Well, thanks for having me, Mike, and uh, lovely to have you in Suffolk. It's it's lovely to be here. I I, I think I always think uh, I never quite do enough in Suffolk, and uh, it's always a, a pleasure to get down here. Um, so, Tech East, for those not steeped in the law, could you explain to us what Tech East is what Tech East is and what it does? So Tech East is a regional, i.e. East of England, tech cluster body. We um, exist really to to do three things. I mean, first is to give a voice to tech businesses in the region and the wider tech ecosystem in the region at a national level and actually increasingly an international level. Uh, and why do we do that? Well, because um, as you and I both know, the East of England is a fantastic place for tech, but it's probably not that well known beyond our own area, certainly in uh, the corridors of Whitehall, uh, you know, one might be forgiven for thinking that the east of England was simply a place called Cambridge. Um, 
And we know that there's a whole load of stuff going on in Suffolk, in Norfolk, in Essex, in other parts of the region uh, that deserves to have a voice and deserves to have national recognition. And that recognition is obviously extremely important when it comes to things like government making investments in the future of you know, the infrastructure and of the developments that will help the, the sector grow. So we're here to give the region a voice. Uh, we're here to really connect businesses that are starting up or scaling here uh, with the best possible opportunities to help them grow. Mm -hmm. And those opportunities might be on their doorstep, and sometimes they are. Um, and I'm thinking about things like access to really good uh, investors, access to fantastic talent, access to the best possible programs to help them grow. Um, might be on their doorstep. They might be just over the, uh, as it were, the county boundary in a place like Cambridge. They might be in London and they might be beyond uh, beyond the sort of southeast or the greater southeast and the rest of the UK or elsewhere in the world. So we work very, very hard to try and figure out out of all of the noise out there in the market at any given time, plethora of programs, funding opportunities, whatever, which ones might be most relevant and most exciting for startups and scale-ups in the region. Um, so it's a kind of joining up and making connections, and that's the way we would see that we can support businesses. And then thirdly, it's about playing our part and helping the tech sector play its part in you know, helping digitize the region, region's economy in a really mm -hmm. positive way. So, you know, 10 years ago, probably talk about, or even five, 10 years ago, you talk about tech almost as a separate sector on its own. We all kind of knew, you know, kind of internet-based companies, maybe hardware as well, but essentially, you know, software sector on it, as, as, a, as, a, as a standalone sector. Whereas now we know that whether it's in healthcare or energy or manufacturing or retail or construction or whatever it might, whatever sector it might be, kind of tech's getting everywhere. It's kind of becoming the norm for mm -hmm. exciting new startups to have a digital business model or a digitally enabled business model. Um, but as a region, you know, we also know there are lots of SMEs and micro businesses and sort of traditional sectors that need help to digitize and the public sector. So Tech East is sort of there to enable positive connection between the tech sector and the rest of the economy. Yeah. So give me if you can the bright spots we're talking um as 2022's winding to a close yeah um give me the points of light that are shining brightest for you at the moment in the if you can in the uh, uh the tech sector in the east of england okay i mean i think if we start with the, with the businesses themselves clearly uh it's clearly been a pretty challenging time for the economy this year um but you know, I'm pleased to see that there are, you know, very relatively few, if any, casualties from the tech sector of that of 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 of, of the kind of wider economic concerns, you know, or those sort of more kind of macro issues that we've 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 been we've been we've been faced over the last last few years. Um, so the businesses seem to be doing pretty well. Digital business models tend to be quite resilient, you know, and certainly during the pandemic we saw. Um, a real kind of turbocharging effect on certain sectors like e-commerce, UX, um, 
obviously anything to do with remote working, anything to do with entertainment delivered over the internet. So, um, you know, we've, we've, we've kind of, the businesses have, have, have sort of benefited to some extent from that on the whole. Um, and there are a number of startups and scale-ups in the region that really are world-class, there's no doubt about it. Um, and and, and there, there seem to be more and more of those. So I think the sector is doing pretty well. Um, I mean, I'm not going to call out any individual businesses That's this fine. year, probably because, and we might come on to this later, you know, it, it, we, we're not a region at the moment that is about, you know, two or three blockbuster famous tech startups and scale-ups. It's more of a kind of um, a collective of success. Um, that might change if we have one or two sort of serious exits in the, in the future. Um, in terms of bright spots, so, so the business is one thing. I think a, 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 another area is, you know, there's quite, in the wider regional economy, there's some quite exciting stuff happening. You know, there's Freeport East just down the road, Felixstowe and Harwich, and the kind of wider geography, which will attract investment, we hope, and um, potentially kickstart more innovation around sectors like manufacturing, logistics, uh, mobility, um, the Sizewell Sea, just up the road, yep. 700 million announced yesterday. Um, whether you're pro or anti Sizewell Sea, it will no doubt have a massive effect on the economy of not just it's, Suffolk, but the region. Do, yeah. um, there are, I think, so I mean, those, those are two things. I think on the sort of science research, tech, you know, this kind of deep tech side, a couple of really interesting things just from the last few months that I've spotted. I mean, one is I think Norwich Research Park is looking like its future is brighter than ever. This has got yeah. a fantastic dynamic new chief executive who we both know, Ros Bird. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Anglia Innovation Partners, I should say, probably rather than NRP, yes, to okay. use the correct terminology. But Ros is a real powerhouse and, you know, she's bringing a kind of mentality and a mindset that's been very successful in places like Silverstone Technology Cluster to Norwich. You know, she's a, you know, she's got a track record in Cambridge. She will understand intrinsically how to link up the success of the potential of Norwich Research Park and its various institutes with, uh, with the Cambridge effect or the Cambridge phenomenon. And you and I have been involved in uh, uh, at least one train journey. Yes, uh, indeed. Or two train journeys, return train journey on yeah. that one. That's great. I think, you know, NRP's is sort of sleeping, you know, is a, has been a sleeper and is potentially a powerhouse in terms of bioinformatics and engineering biology and plant science and all those sorts of good things. Um, I think, you know, I'm seeing a real energy and a commitment down at BT, at Adastral Park, uh, to, you know, for Adastral Park to play its role in the region. They had a really good robotics festival last um, week, which was a bit of an eye-opener for me. You know, there were robotic startups all over the place, some of them local. There were, there's a robotics lab. You know, there was thought leadership. It was really, really good. Um, and I think, you know, uh, BT and Adastral Park team, in particular, I should uh, shout out to Lisa Perkins, who's our chair of Tech East, mm-hmm. you know, really doing absolutely everything they can to put it on the map. And then just yesterday at Adastral Park, we had the launch of a... Um, kind of eco house, um, you know, sustainable, uh, sustainability institute with the University of Suffolk and BT. I'm always amazed at the depth of 
um, expertise and talent that there is around here in just about every area that matters, whether that's in clean energy and net zero or, as I say, health or, 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 other, or other areas. And then, and then, you know, there are, you know, you name it, Mike, you know, whether it's quantum technology, space, mm. um, artificial intelligence, not cryptocurrency, I think, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but, but just about everything else that buzz, is a buzzword in tech, there's something substantial here. So I think those are a, those are a couple of bright spots. I think the, probably the last one is that, um, yeah, there's been a lot of investment in tech skills, digital skills over the last few years, mm. uh, enabled actually in large part, I think very well by the public sector. So New Anglia, LEP, um, Suffolk County Council, Norfolk County Council, there's been a real commitment to trying to sort out the skills gap, digital skills gap regionally. And uh, that does now seem to be paying off because there's, you know, places like the Digitech factory in Norwich at City College Norwich, there's the Digitech Centre at Astral Park, there's the Tech Campus at Suffolk New College, there's Productivity East. They're all now, not churning is the wrong word, <laughs> they are producing a a better pipeline of you know apprenticeships uh, apprentices undergraduate um undergraduates postgraduate students in areas like artificial intelligence data science it's all good and it needed to happen and so i feel like the kind of like the the skills infrastructure side has, has really really improved i mean it's it, it's very interesting um just to, to counter back through what you were just saying because um First of all, uh, Digitech, the Digitech factory, um, it's this, this very week, actually, uh, hopefully tonight, uh, I will be uploading my tour of the Digitech factory ah. with uh, James Lee Burgess. Yeah. And plus my uh, recording of me trying, on, trying to use a um, Trimble HoloLens headset, which, <laughs> which um, <clears throat> I, as I've put in, some sequences were shortened, mainly um, James uh, Lee Burgess explaining very patiently to me, you need to keep your head still, Mike. Oh, OK. Um, and when I was in Cambridge recently, uh, interviewing Cambridge Ahead, who are, uh, as many will know, of the city, by the city, for the city. Yeah. Um, and they were sort of talking about the places you named, uh, the NLP and uh, Adastral Park, in, in, in what, what I, uh, I would regard as appropriately reverential and respectful tone. Good. Uh, terms. Um, and uh, possibly even I may have de detected a hint of envy, mm. although that might, might just be my fancy. Um, tech, uh, tech sector networking in the sector uh, is, um, oh, that doesn't make sense. Tech sector networking is reportedly very strong. Um, and Tech East have played a huge part in making that happen and developing that further. Uh, to what extent do we see that networking develop outside geographical boundaries, perhaps uh, driven by the particular part of the uh, sector. So for example, uh, blockchain, um, I, I, you know, I don't understand half these terms being, but that kind of thing, uh, crossing those uh, geographical boundaries and how much is still driven by the, se the scene in Norwich, the scene in Cambridge, the scene in Ipswich mm, mm. and so on. Uh, it's a really interesting question. I mean, networking is really important uh, because unless you do net, you know, as an individual, as a founder, as a, you know, someone trying to grow a tech business, unless you do some networking, you're not going to meet customers, you're not going to meet talent, you're not going to meet investors, etc. And 
I think especially at the early stage, you need to be talking to other tech business people who have probably been there and done that and done it successfully and learned from them. Um, I think, you know, th there's lots of different types of networking, but I, I always think that it's quite tribal. So I think, I think, I think networks often develop around either, you know, areas of interest, whether that's a place or a, you know, or a, a topic like blockchain you mentioned, um, or AI or robotics or whatever it might be. Um, so I think you can have, you know, different networks for different things. I mean, what Tech East has always tried to do is to try and kind of, kind of embrace everything, that embrace all of the networks in the region, help promote their events, for example, on our website and our you know our, our socials and newsletters and things like that uh, and there's a ton of there's a ton of stuff going on there's pretty much something going on every day yeah um so at the very least what we've tried to do, we've always said is like you know never miss a tech event in the region that's kind of was our strap line for events and and uh does but 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 you know to your question you know how much mixing up is there across geography for example you know, are the networks which have lots of kind of Cambridge and Norwich and Ipswich people in them simultaneously? Uh, probably, probably not enough. Um, I think, I, I mean, I think kind of loyalty to places and cities is, is really important. And that's what's driven a lot of tech ecosystems in the UK, mm -hmm. certainly. You know, you look at somewhere like Bristol, been a great success story. Part of what's uh, enabled that to happen is they had a really great central hub for that in Bristol with the engine shed down at Temple Mead Station, which was the sort of like the roof yeah. under which all the kind of all the real kind of guts of the development of the ecosystem took place. You know, the meetups would meet there and all, all that sort of stuff. We don't really have the equivalent in the east of England. We've got smaller and more distributed hubs and, and centres. Um, and certainly during the pandemic, uh, we ran a well to begin with weekly and then and then fortnightly uh, virtual networking event called Tech and Toast on a Friday morning, which was good fun and did used to draw in people across a wider geography. Mm. And certainly uh, it was it was much easier with, um, you know, doing that on Zoom than it is face to face because, you know, if it's 65 mile drive, yes, you're not going to get that many people. Having said that, you know, I, you know, when I when I go out and about in Cambridge or Norwich or whatever, I do think there is a bit more mix mixing and commingling, but it's just in the nature of the region because it's quite a big region and quite widely spaced out. That on a practical level, especially for people who've got kind of family commitments or caring yeah. commitments or whatever life commitments, you know, getting everyone to turn up for eight thirty at a networking session or an evening thing. It's just never going to happen. So I think there's a sort of, you know, in terms of where I think networking will kind of go, I think there's a, there's a role for bigger sort of flagship events and conferences that bring up people from a wider geography. And latterly, this year, I mean, I've been out and about a little bit more uh, in terms of, you know, overseas travel. Um, I led a, a East of England tech delegation to Paris in May and uh, was involved in one earlier this month at Lisbon at Web Summit and then we're going to do another one in February in Barcelona at Mobile World Congress. There, if you've got a, a kind of enough of a sort of magnet to bring people from across the region, you will definitely get more, um, more of a, a geographic spread. And, and, you know, who doesn't fancy a trip to 
to Barcelona in, no, in, 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 in wet February. You indeed. Know. So, so I think there's something for that. And that's where I think Tech East is kind of going broadly, is to try and focus on some of, try to keep, maintain all of that um, local and hyper-local kind of goodness and richness and, and sort of celebrate that under one, under one brand and under one, one and, you know, uh, in one place. So that people don't miss out, but also to try and try and aim a bit higher in terms of some of those sort of international and international events, where we can kind of galvanise the east of England's community to be in one place at one time, and therefore paint a really good picture of the region to the outside world. Mm. I mean, I'm going to slightly throw my cap under the, over the wall at this point and say uh, it's my it's my plan dream slash uh, plan to to, to hold a, some kind of uh, event in Thetford Forest uh, in the summer in the summer months if I if I can uh, persuade them to let me uh, with uh, some nicely decorated trees and uh, fizzy drinks and uh, and whatnot um, very good we'll see how that goes and yeah. uh, <laughs> you make, make sure you don't fall down Grimes graves while you're doing yes let's that. not do that let's not do that I don't I don't fancy a, a lawsuit um, <laughs> How does a startup navigate um, the, uh, the, the the alphabet soup of grants and funds and and, and whatnot? And I, I speak with some level of self-interest at this point. How does one do that? Well, I think this. I think you. My my advice would be, you know, be prepared to have more than one conversation when you're trying to navigate that stuff, because there are a number. You know, there are there are, there are a number of different answers to that. So, um, so the. the if you're, if, so, for example, if you're, if you're a tech business based in Suffolk, we're in Suffolk, so let's talk about Suffolk. If you're a tech business based in Suffolk, the first thing you should do in terms of um, navigating the, the alphabet soup is, is have a conversation with the growth hub. Because the growth hub, that's what their, their job is to signpost businesses towards grants. And, you know, particularly the ones that, the, you know, are distributed via, you know, the Little Enterprise Partnership. Uh, but also, you know, links into Innovate UK and all, 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 all of those other, 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 other funding organisations. So you have a conversation with the growth, you know, ring the growth hub up. Uh, their number is on the website. Uh, speak to an advisor, book a meeting, have a conversation, and, and you will get a really good set of information about what the current grant schemes are. The problem is that the, there's always more of these schemes than anyone can keep track of at any given time. Uh, example, of, well, there's going to be a, there's a new sort of creative businesses um, scheme. Yeah, create growth. Create growth, that's it. That's, that's coming, coming soon. Now, in order to navigate that, yes, you probably need to the growth, talk to the growth hub, but you, you, know, if, if you, you would probably also do well to have a conversation with a couple of other creative businesses locally about anything that they've taken advantage of you know, we have a number of sort of institutions locally that play a very active role in this sort of stuff, whether it's local authorities, you know, speak to your district council, the economic development team there, Just obviously speak to the lab, I've mentioned that, the Chamber of Commerce would be usually really, really helpful. I should say also just send me a LinkedIn, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn, send info at Tech East an email and say, help. That's what we exist to do. Um, you can talk to, 
Howard Partridge from Innovate UK, who's the, the region's sort of um, Innovate UK manager, always says, you know, there are no wrong doors in the region. You can get into this world of grants and funding and all that through multiple entry points. Growth hubs, Innovate UK and its various sort of um, uh, programs and offshoots, the public sector through universities, through um, doing a Google search, obvious but talking to other people talking to other people and i think probably you know techies obviously a network there are other great networks whether it's in manufacturing name in agri-tech e um cw um for you know cambridge wireless uh the meetup groups none of these are the wrong doors they're all they all have value and i think well-organized founders will by having a conversation with one or two of those, we'll quickly realise they probably need to have a conversation with three or four more. But you could probably do the whole thing. You could do the whole thing in a concentrated effort over over a week if you were if you were if you the equivalent of a week if you were if you were organised. And I think once you've then been through that process, you can narrow down and focus on maybe the opportunities that are, are most relevant. But also be prepared to kind of review that every six months to a year because new schemes are coming on stream all the time and old schemes are kind of coming to an end all the time. So yeah. it's a dynamic, uh, it's a dynamic situation. Right. Um, the Cambridge Norwich Corridor, mm. to come back to that, has, has been seen as, as a, a, a key enabler, I believe, uh, is, is the term that's used in a, a, a report by the D, DDCMS. Is it DDC? It's DCMS. We'll just call it DCMS. Uh, key enabler for the region's digital economy. Um, and that's from 2021. Uh, we've made a start with the aforementioned uh, train, great train adventure. Yeah. Uh, how can we continue to strengthen that? And this kind of feeds into the answers you've already given, but... And, uh, you know, my, my, my point of view is, is very much engage, engage, engage. Um, but how can we continue to strengthen that? Uh, and is, is, the, is the answer to be not afraid to be not the first? If, you, if, you, if, if that makes any yeah, kind of sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. There's quite a lot in that. So I think, I think, I think the, the, the idea of connecting up kind of key points in the region in a more effective way is, is, is important. And the work that you do with this podcast and the train-based uh, uh, kind of conference we, we had uh, was a good example of that. It's really important. You know, a two, it, it, and it's got to be a two-way street. That's the other thing, you know. So Norwich and Cambridge have got uh, some, you know, there are some synergies there. But so, similarly, Norwich and Ipswich have some similar synergies. Indeed. So do Cambridge and Colchester, you know. So, it, I, I, you know, I think it's more than one corridor. I think it's a kind of, it's a series of, it's a series of corridors. Um, and you know, I'm I'm not, you know, as as as, as sort of tech east with a kind of regional view. I think you can have all manner of these initiatives, so long as you know, so long as they don't confuse the market too much, and so long as they're well communicated and positioned. Um, I I definitely think there's something in it, which is, don't be afraid. So if 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 as a city or a particular county or region, mm -hmm. you know, you have a, a sort of m relatively small but high potential position in any of these exciting areas. So we talked about robotics, for example. We talk about quantum. We talk about, you know, agri-food, all of industry 4.0, whatever, whatever sort of subsector of tech it might be. You know, don't be afraid to celebrate what you've got. 
Indeed. And, 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 and but, but be prepared to be clear about what makes it slightly different from other places. So a good example of this is, um, you know, we ran a workshop last month on fintech. Fintech, and it was we, we ran it in Norwich at Aviva. It was great. Um, we had startups, we had corporates, we had external agencies, national agencies like Technation, Innovate Finance, the LEP, uh, and others. And I think what became really clear to me over the kind of two and a half hours of that workshop was that Norwich and Norfolk and Ipswich and Suffolk have got quite a lot of the ingredients of a successful fintech cluster. It's got some, some of the biggest corporate names in insurance, mm-hmm. for sure. Got some really successful tech, um, you know, wider fintech, paytech businesses, whether it's sort of Epos Now, Rainbird, um, all of that, all, all uh, Fleximize. But we, 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 what we haven't done historically is sort of, is, 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 cel- is sort of uh, celebrate what we've got so that it can be recognized at a national level. Good example of that the Khalifa review of UK FinTech, which came out about 18 months ago, just didn't really feature Norfolk or Suffolk at all. Cambridge was kind of there as an emerging FinTech hotspot, but not terribly well-defined. You know, contrast that with my experience of going to some of these other places in the UK. And sure, yeah, some of them are bigger cities, and sure, some of them have got bigger, you know, presences from sort of the major banks or major insurance companies. You know, they might or they might even have a, a, a genuine fintech success story, although I'd argue most of that's been London um, in terms of the UK. We're just not we, we, we just don't seem to be very, very good about confidently identifying the stuff that we've got and then celebrating it. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's an opportunity and a, and, a, and a risk. I mean, the opportunity is that we just get better at doing that. And suddenly we start finding ourselves on more of these national listings. And that will be inherently a good thing. Um, the, the, the risk is if we don't organize ourselves, then other places will just start to out accelerate. Indeed. And then the da- real danger is that the talent that we've got in the region will go elsewhere. And, and, and I would probably always kind of come back to that as the, the key to having a successful tech cluster is to have a, a, a really substantial, rich, broad and deep Whoops. talent pool that is growing. And if you can get that right and become effectively a sort of net exporter of talent to yeah. the rest of the world, you'll be successful. I mean, the, 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 uh, the report uh, that uh, Steer Economic Development did for DCMS mm. that I cited earlier, mm. um, and that uh, expressed its concern over the low number of first-degree graduates remaining in region yeah. um, in the East. Uh, other research, um, admittedly slightly earlier, uh, that I've seen um, states that, and this, this was for the Government Office for Science, um, the, the East has the highest, by far, percentage of returners so people who've sort of gone and yeah. done their, had their, uh, their, their time in, in uh, London or wherever it may be, yeah. overseas. Um, uh, far higher, about 40% of people who leave come back. Um, what's your reflection on that? Or should we be trying to retain them? Or uh, is there a sense to which we, we have to ref- re- reflect uh, the reality of that? Or, or, or do we do both? Well, I think it's a, I think it's a mix because you know, 
it certainly it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? it? It really makes sense that in terms of returners, people would return to a region that was had offered a fantastic, you know, fantastic work-life balance, uh, and uh, you know, it was relatively less expensive than say living in London. Uh, at the point where maybe people start to have families and start to want to kind of kind of exit exit London. Mm. I mean, my personal experience is, you know, I was brought up in the east of England. I then went away to university up north. I then lived in London for 10 years. And then I came back here. And, and I think that's true. Lots, lots of people. It's a natural thing. You know, young people uh, kind of want to be where it's at. And where it's at tends to be in big cities. It's as simple as that. We don't have any big cities. Not everyone corresponds with that you know, sort of uh, stereotype, if no. you like. And, and some people will, you know, some young people will absolutely want to stay. And the important thing for those, for those people is that they've got all the best possible opportunities in terms of careers and jobs and, and so on locally. And that is getting, that getting better. But there will always be an exodus. There will always be, a, you know, a flight to capital cities and to major metropolitan areas. And there will always be kind of for the UK, some people who want to go and, go, go and work abroad. That's good, you know, it's a big world. Um, but, you know, when, when people are ready to come back, as they usually will, you know, funnily enough, yesterday, just uh, I was on a WhatsApp group of some of my old friends, and all of us, you know, probably were based in London in, you know, in the, in the, in the late 90s and the early 2000s, yes. sort of giving my age away. Now, um, you know, only one of, one of them's left in London. So, yeah. so there will be that. And I think the thing is that, you know, the east of England is a, is a great place to come and uh, come and relocate. But if it's only that, then it will always feel a little bit, possibly a bit fuddy duddy. If it's only, <laughs> if it's only people in their mid to late thirties leaving or or, or, or older, um, and we've probably got a bit of an image problem as a sort of you know wonderful retirement community, but not enough work, <laughs> exciting work. I think it's getting better. Right? I don't think you can really force it though. I think no. Um, I think it's a highly attractive aspect of our culture as a region if we are encouraging young people to pursue the best opportunities wherever they are in the world. I think if we try and desperately hold on to people, ah, it, 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 won't, it won't work. So, 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 so I, th I, think, I think the antidote to that problem is, as, again, is to grow, is, is, is just to grow opportunities in the region. Mm. And sooner or later, people will, will come back. So what are the other, um, from your point of view, the major um, or the region-specific constraints facing the sector? And more importantly, as this is a podcast that trades on its positivity, yeah. address them. How can we sort of rectify them? And housing availability mm. is, is afford affordable housing availability is, is a key one. Mm. So I suppose where, where, what are those and where should we, where should we turn our attention first? And, and not to make it too complicated, what can we do about it? Well... Um... Big question. Um, so I'm just, you know, I, I was looking at before um, before we started this recording. I was looking at the um, Tech UK Local Digital Capital Index, which is something that was published for the second time a couple of months ago and first published last year, which kind of looks at the looks at the UK and kind of ranks the regions based on their kind of digital capability. It looks at things like skills. It looks at access to finance. It looks at international trade, it looks at innovation, 
Uh, and, and East of England scores really well, comes out third overall mm. behind London and the southeast and ahead of places like the southwest and the northwest that possibly get a little bit more um, uh, sort of, yes, yeah. more, more regular attention in, term, in, in, in terms of tech ecosystems. Look, um, our, our lowest score in that, in that, in that, in that, uh, in that index is, is, for in, is for infrastructure, digital infrastructure, but also wider infrastructure. So, obviously, you know... 4G, 5G, broadband, roads, trains, yada, yada, yada. Well, it's no real surprise with a massively, massive rural area. Yeah. Never going to be top on um, any, um, uh, you know, private sector investment list uh, over and above, a, you know, a huge city like Manchester or, 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 you know, the West Midlands. So I think we just have to sort of, to, to some extent, we have to kind of accept that there is a, that, 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 there are, that, that there are benefits and disadvantages of being a beautiful and relatively unpopulated region with a beautiful coastline and beautiful um, towns and cities and villages. Um, it's just it's never going to be it's never going to be like central London. Um, what do we do about it? Well. I mean, we could start. We could start to have a conversation about the political geography of the region. I don't know how helpful that would be, but you know, clearly, you look at, you know, from a sort of UK UK perspective, devolution, uh, you know, uh, devolved nations, mayoral combined authorities. Mm -hmm. You know, those things seem to be working pretty well in terms of sort of devolving decision making and economic development skills and all of that. Into regions, so you know, kind of probably more of that. And I think, in terms of positivity, that the, the move towards the county deals, so there'll be a Suffolk county deal, which was announced in the autumn statement. Norfolk's kind of following on close behind. Uh, Colchester's now a city. South End's mm -hmm. going to be a city. Uh, Cambridge is already Cambridge and Peter already combined authority. So that is that that is the direction of travel. Um, but you know, unless you have a you know a, a sort of big it will be, remain to be seen how it works in places without a huge sort of metropolitan centre. Um, clearly, there's got to be investment in, in digital infrastructure. But I always kind of think, you know, there's so much innovation going on in terms of, in, in terms of you know, where it's mobile networks, uh, LoRaWAN, IoT networks. Those are kind of, you know, there's the SETI project that Gerard Parr at UEA has been mm. spearheading. You know, there's a lot of good thinking going on around digital infrastructure. So I think let's let's be let's be optimistic that solutions will be found to deploying better digital infrastructure in in, in rural and coastal regions. I think you know we, we are seeing investment going into places like you know through the, the through the towns deal into some of the coastal cities. So it's, it's not not bad, but ultimately the east of England risks lagging behind the northeast, the northwest, the big metro areas, and we need, probably need to get our act together a bit more in terms of collaboration across the, the those the, those counties and regions. And I think I think it's good. And the work that you do, Mike, is not to be underestimated in this. It's That's very kind. No money's changed hands, by the way. No, well, um, you know, but 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 it's relatively rare to kind of find find people or leaders with that kind of real regional regional lens. There are exceptions to that, but on the whole, if we stay fragmented or we become fragmented, it won't. It probably won't help. Um, so let's be more collaborative. Yeah. Um, thank you.
Um, that's all I can say to that, really. Um, we know times are, are looking increasingly difficult. One, you know, one uh, only needs to look at the, the the news every night to see to see that. Um, but how do we keep ahead of steam? And apologies if I'm asking you to repeat yourself in some in in some degree. You've actually answered quite a lot of my questions already. No, okay. But um, how do we keep that head of steam and that investment flowing um, into the sector? Well, it's yeah. You you've you've got to always have an an eye on your your pipeline, if you like, mm-hmm. um, because you know. Today's um, big success story is sort of yesterday, you know, is, is sorry. Today's big success story will be tomorrow's uh, fish and chip wrapper, if you, yeah. you know. The, Talk the, of the town to the whisper of the village. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so you've got to have a regular, you've got to, there's got to be a cadence of success. Um, the, what will... What will, I think, what will make the region, and I'm not really talking about Cambridge here because there have been lots of big success stories like Arm and Autonomy and, you know, big investment stories, CMR Surgical, for example, recently, um, that really have put Cambridge on the map in terms of international investment, venture capital, those sorts of things, and big trade sales, you know, um, the uh, Amazon Alexa, team is based mm-hmm. in Cambridge because it acquired a Cambridge-based business originally called True Knowledge. Um, so there's no doubt that, you know, you could, if, if, if you've got real innovation, you've got the brightest people in the world creating the, the, the hottest new innovations, then they, those innovations will get acquired by big tech companies, um, Google, Meta, Amazon, Samsung, etc., Apple. Um, you need a few of those, and I think we, we, we could do with a few more of those kind of outside of Cambridge across the region. And there have been such success stories. Um, Spectral Edge, for example, which was a UEA spin-out, came out of Norwich. I mean, that was acquired by one of the very biggest tech companies in the world. I can't say who it was, because I think it never, you know, it's, 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 not, it's not in the public domain. But that was a big success story. Mm-hmm. Um, Inner Wisdom, which was born and bred out of sort of Ipswich, Martlesham cluster, had a massive exit to Cognizant about 18 months ago. Uh, and they are themselves a huge Amazon Web Services partner. Those things kind of go a little bit below the radar because they're B two B, you know. And I think, yeah. I think, I think, you know, unless you have a like, for example, in Edinburgh with Skyscanner, that was a that was a huge story. It created over a hundred millionaires in Edinburgh overnight, um, or you know, like Rockstar Games coming out of, of Dundee. For example, oh, yeah. those those sorts of stories do cut through in the public consciousness a bit more than your business to business ones. Um, but you know, we don't have to obsess with having like those those the, that that necessary things of that scale. We just need more of them because I think let's take somewhere like Norwich for example. Norwich has currently kind of got a cohort of I'd say very very good very strong tech companies developing experts e-surgery epos now rainbird or whatever mm-hmm. and if one of one or two of those was to have a big exit maybe in the space of a year or 18 months suddenly people would see a, a pattern emerging yeah and um so 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 we need that so 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 the the kind of the bit that's closest to the sort of public consciousness or to the things that journalists write about or that gets into the Wall Street Journal or, the, or to TechCrunch or whatever, 
we need a couple of those kind of um, th th those uh, sort of chickens to kind of come home to roost, so to speak. And then in the in the middle in the middle part where we've got where we've got businesses that are doing well and scaling up, we need to make sure that we continue to give them every opportunity to do so. That's not about picking winners. It's about it's about support. You know, it's about supporting the kind of the the middle part of the the market, the ones that have maybe just had their Series A, or you know, they've had a they've had a successful seed round and they're really beginning to kind of go gangbusters. So you do need hubs. You know, you do need um, grow on space. You do need access to VC and all of that. All of those things. That's kind of like techies really concerned we're really concerned to make sure that that part of the ecosystem is working but absolutely you need stuff at the front end or the top of that funnel if i'm to mix in my metaphors here so you need lots of really good new startups because unless you've got lots of startups you won't have a few really good scale-ups and then a, a very small number of successful exits and i think that is where more effort needs to be put in who could put that effort in well, it's a number of different, a number of different, different entities. I think central government needs to focus on new startup creation. I think there's a role for, um, you know, third sector organisations, whether it's sort of Prince's Trust or those kinds of, you know, things that are inspiring young people to be entrepreneurial. Um, I think the corporates, you know, let's take Aviva for example, good example. Um, Aviva is a very big employer um, in the region, very big employer in Norwich, over a thousand tech people in Norwich, significant player. Aviva is beginning to look at you know, how it can play its role as a sort of anchor employer and corporate in things like tech skills. And there's a new project called the Aviva Foundry, and it's probably something you'd like to, might want to consider doing an <clears throat> Eastern, Eastern Promise podcast on next year, which is a, which is a skills and talent initiative. But that is all about actually kind of like things like sharing apprenticeship levy with SMEs uh, locally and opening up their sort of skills and training capability beyond Aviva itself. All, you know, so corporates have a role to play. Universities have a role to play. FE colleges have a role to play, not just in terms of sort of vocational skills training, but also in entrepreneurship. Like City College Norwich is a good example of that. Um, they, they, they focus on entrepreneurship, but there's got to be more of that. And I think then in terms of sort of the public sector or county deals and LEPs and organisations like Tech East that sort of sit across these things, we probably need to do a bit more targeted work on inspiring the creation of startups in areas where the region has sort of real strength, clean energy, ports and logistics, fintech selectively. Um, health. So what that would look like, I think, will vary from sector to sector, but places, coming back to it, Norwich Research Park will be a fantastic place to do some more challenge-based innovation, new startup creation, interface of the science and research world with the tech community around some particular challenges that are to do with, you know, the future, food health, energy, all of that, you know, you can't do that stuff on a wing and a prayer. You can do it on a, 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 low, a relatively low cost and you can do it with a very willing band of volunteers. And I should single out, I think, again, this year, look at Sink the City in Norwich. Yes, Sink indeed. the City 
terrific and they've, they, they've kept that going and growing for m many years now and it has produced some great startups but we kind of need more of that sort of stuff and we need probably different flavors of sink the city type activity in terms of hackathons and startup weekends for different sectors of the economy for different specialisms with varying levels of incentive, you know, maybe things with very big prizes and things that are more about, you know, recognition and community. So, you know, just more and more of that. Because ultimately, unless we have a really good pipeline of tech startups um, in the region, we're not going to have that kind of, you know, at the, the, the really pointy end of the funnel. We're not going to have those, um, those big exits. And those are the things that are going to put us on the map. Well, I'm about to say that... Um... The co you can find, well, you will be able to find, you can find by the time you hear this, um, the Eastern Promise coverage of Sync the City 2022 yeah. uh, on, the, on your podcast feed or on uh, or easternpromise.podbean.com. Um, it was an absolutely amazing experience. And there were some, there were some really interesting startups coming out from that. Uh, I'm loathe to, to single anyone out. There were some really fun ones. There were some really um, deep social purpose ones. Uh, one that's the the, win, the eventual winner um, was Trust Me, which was um, a CV verification system, which um, was was not only dealing with a real problem, but was a really sort of innovative uh, idea. Mm. Um, one change, uh, actually, no, scrap that. Talk to me about the the Tech East One Hundred. So Tech East 100, um, which uh, had its first outing in 2020. Uh, so the idea of Tech East 100 was to identify through a rigorous, a rigorous process, right? A rigorous process of, um, you know, a selection and assessment and judging the 100 most eye-catching, interesting, high-potential tech businesses in Norfolk and Suffolk. Uh, its origins sort of, uh, it had its origins. There were a number of ideas. We eventually, so it's sort of through a series of pivots, we came to the Tech East 100. So like the first idea was to have an awards for tech mm -hmm. in the region. And actually I looked at it pretty much as soon as I started this job in 2017 and said, look, we've really got some really great tech awards. We've got the Develop Her Awards, for example, for mm, yes. Tech, which Vicky Allen started up and is going strong and just as it just happened again. And, you know, so why would you, why, you know, why would you want to do a, an, an, another awards? Um, we've got, you know, and, 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 and there was, then there was the idea of having a directory. So all the tech businesses in the region on the sort of map and you would have a listing. Yeah. Trouble with directories is kind of keeping them up to date. Exactly. Is a nightmare. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, tech, digital, it's not always a very helpful term. It includes absolutely everything. So, for example, the guy who repairs my Mac in Felixstowe, who's a one-man band, um, and he is a fantastic guy, you know, it's not, that's not the same as an Epos Now or a Vivid Q or an Arm. It's, it, you know, it's unhelpful to bundle computer repair shop in with, but, but, but you know, sick codes um, do bundle those things yeah. in together. So we decided instead, um, this was a collaborative effort across the two counties and very strongly supported by both Suffolk County Council and Norfolk County Council at the time, to do a slice kind of 
excluding the big corporates like BT and KCOM and so on that were in the re Aviva in the region, a, a slice of really the, the, the 100 most eye-catching businesses. And the idea was to, to, to put them on a list that we could then celebrate them as a, as a collective, as a whole, um, and give visibility. Because, and, and the 100 is just, a, you know, it's just an artificial number, but it felt about right. And we, I think we had 240-odd on the long list, and then we kind of got, got down to a short list of 179. So, you know, it, it, and, and, then, and then of those 100, um, it, it, was, it ended up being roughly half and half Norfolk and Suffolk. We, we deliberately focused on Norfolk and Suffolk because there were already kind of existing things like the Cofinitive 21 to watch in Cambridge and mm -hmm. didn't feel we needed to do that. Um, and we had originally planned to have a big uh, high profile event and launch and then uh, COVID came along and we had to kind of rethink it. So we did a hybrid event in September 2020 uh, at Adastral Park, which Lisa Perkins and I hosted. And we had some fantastic uh, speakers. We managed to land Stephen Fry, which was a bit of a coup. Oh, my God. Um, and uh, we, uh, and I think just it was the nature of COVID that, 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 that people like Stephen were prepared to give up a little bit of time. Of course, he's famously... Uh, uh, Norfolk resident, Cambridge graduate, suffered, um, brought, brought up, I think, in, in Berries or family in Berries and Edmund. So, you know, he kind of, he, he, he was absolutely the right person to, to, to yeah. ask to celebrate that. Um, that was 2020. Um, so next September, it'll be three years since we did it. We're very keen to do it again. Mm -hmm. um, and we would like probably, because Tech East 100 is 100 eye-catching companies, we would like to, I think, develop that so that it's companies and people, because you know we have this extremely uh, kind of exciting pool of talent, but people who are perhaps middle managers or, in some cases, um, you know, relatively new entrants or junior members of staff, or even people who are apprentice, apprentices and, and just come really coming into that coming into that world. There are some amazing people there. We'd like to do more to celebrate that. We'd like to celebrate the diversity of those people. Uh, we'd like to celebrate that the, because because the, it's the individuals who will stick around. The individuals will, may outlive, out, outlive the businesses in some cases. So we, 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 we're hoping to bring Techies 100 back next year. Mm -hmm. um, that's uh, breaking news. On the, uh -huh. uh, that's an exclusive, uh, probably in the autumn. Um, and you know, on reflection, you know, what, one of the things I think that did work about Techies 100, and it came back to the assessment process, is that I don't think we missed a single business in tech business in Norfolk and Suffolk that wasn't important, eye-catching and high-potential, because so many of those businesses have gone on to have successful raises, exits. You know, I mentioned Inner Wisdom. I should also mention FX Home, Exit to Art Wars. Ah, yes. Um, uh, know Your Money, Exit to um, uh, Nerd Wallet, um, Session Cam, Exit to Glassbox. You know, it, it was a good tracker. It was a good tracker of the exciting companies. We'd like to do more with it. We'd like to put more into it. We'd like to do something absolutely magnificent, face-to-face, -face, buzzing, get everyone together, celebrate that. So, yeah, watch this space. Fantastic. Um, one change you could make to the sector, what would that be? Oh, God. I mean, I'm, positive, I obviously, not, you know. 
one change I could make to the sector, what, in the east of England? Yeah, it, well, you're, you, you have a, you imagine you've got a one-use one digital uh, magic wand and you can make one, one change for the good. What would the Tim Robinson, the pet Tim Robinson change be? Uh, one change that I would make. Well, I mean, I think, I mean, I think this is happening already, but, 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 but I mentioned diversity. There's no doubt that the, um, the, tech, the tech industry, the tech sector, and this is a global problem, but it's true around here, is rather male-dominated, to say the least. Um, and uh, that's, that's, not, that's not good, because um, I think if, 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 if it's hard for young women to harder for young women to enter the industry because they don't see role models around them uh, and they don't find events sufficiently diverse, then they will probably be less attracted to it as, as, as a pressure. So, so I, th I think that's, that's, that's probably the, the biggest thing that needs work. That comes down to individual businesses uh, having the right culture and leadership and, and recognising that it's a challenge and a problem, doing something about it. It, 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 there's a role for networks and event organisers to make sure that their, um, their, their speakers, their panels, uh, their audiences are diverse. It, it, you know, you've, got to, you've got to work on it. Um, Nikki Whiting, who's uh, I've known for, for, for a number of years, who used to be involved in the precursor to Innovate UK Edge, which was the Enterprise Europe Network and is now a cybersecurity, you know, thought leader in cybersecurity. You know, she, she gave a fantastic talk a few months ago up at uh, the uh, North Norwich Showground as part of the Cyber East, uh, a Cyber East event, about sort of 10 things that businesses could do in terms of job ads, recruitment, you know, um, offering kind of buddying for, for new starters uh, around diversity. And, and so it's not just one thing, it's like 10 things that you need to do, because you know, I would like to see that the, the east of England start to um, be ahead of the sort of national average on diversity rather than, rather than behind it. Um, and, and I'm not just talking about gender diversity. I think that's, I think that's just a huge challenge for the industry. Yeah. Um, and, you know, having recently been at uh, an international tech conference, there was a lot of talk about cryptocurrency and Web3, uh, well, we all know what's been happening in, the, in that yeah. in that industry last <laughs> week, but you know the number of you know it's it's all blokes. It was all blokes uh, talking about that stuff. Yeah. Well, you know that's not gonna it's not gonna help the world, is it? So 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 I think that's that that's probably that's probably a kind of macro thing. I think if I'm allowed to, it feels like Desert, oh, Desert Island Discs. It's like go Desert on. Island Discs, isn't it? I, I'm going to be disqualified from this. I think locally. And this isn't just the sector, it's about everyone. We, we need to start picking some, we need to, I think, start placing some bets, bigger bets on s some specific sort of sectors and opportunities. You know, it would be, it would seem crazy for one of those not to be clean energy net zero, given that I got... could not agree more. Um, and, and, and that's not to say that we, that the East of England has a monopoly on clean energy. You know, you look at the, um, you know, you look, you, you, you look at, you look at Hull and Humberside, you look at the Northeast, you look at, you know, the, the Southwest, you look at the, you look at Cornwall, you look at uh, 
Scotland. They all have good, good, good stories around clean energy, but we've got one of the best. We do indeed. And, you know, we, and, and, but we are miles away, I think, from marrying the capabilities that we've got in digital and innovation with the assets and the sort of natural resources that we've got in terms of sort of offshore wind, for example, new nuclear, hydrogen, the list goes on. And I think, you know, to try and neatly make the connection back to something we talked about earlier, Mike, networking, it is tribal. You go to an offshore wind conference or an energy conference full of energy people. You go to a tech conference full of tech people. It's like, unless you do a bit of social engineering, never the twain shall meet. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that is just that that is just a sort of complete no-brainer, but requires a, a a degree of commitment and a strategic approach over time to make it happen. Otherwise, we'll we'll just we'll just be where we are in two years, and nothing will have changed. Thank you very much, Tim. Uh, that was a fascinating and dare I say slightly challenging. Um, look at the work of Tech East, the, the sector in the east of England. Um, it certainly uh, challenged a few of my preconceptions about uh, the approach of this podcast. And I, one, can I uh, recommend Tim's coffee, which is fantastic. <laughs> and can I second, thank you very much, Tim Robinson, for your, your knowledge, your time and your wisdom. Oh, well, thank you very much, Mike. I've really enjoyed it. It was lovely to journey down to Suffolk to meet with Tim, and I'm deeply grateful to him for being so hugely generous with his time and his coffee, which was excellent. For the past two weeks, I've been showcasing the first two days of Sink the City 2022 a 54-hour hackathon in the centre of Norwich that challenges all comers to pitch their idea for a new startup in 60 seconds or less. Day one. We heard a bit of those pitches and the whittling down of those initial half-formed ideas and their evolution into 10 competing project teams. Day two. It got very real, very quickly. Hurdles were encountered, solutions sought, and problems eventually overcome. But would it be enough for the grand finale on day three, as a distinguished panel of judges arrived to run the slide rule over these schemes? Well, you're about to find out. Uh, Alice Reeve, Hethel Innovation, one of the judges at Sink the City 2022. It's not that I'm looking to see the, I'm looking to check if she pushed the button, which, <laughs> yeah. which has happened more than once this weekend. <laughs> How excited are you to be here? Is this your first time as a judge? It is my first time as a judge and actually first time here on the Saturday on the final day. So I'm really excited to see the final pictures. Um, it's been really good seeing the demos uh, this afternoon. And yeah, I'm really excited to see the final products. And what are you going to be looking for? Well, for me, it's about a sustainable business, of course. Um, mm. Can they actually make it into something that's going to employ people um, and do good things in the region? Josh Davis, FX Home. You're pulling the, oh, God, I knew he was going to come to me next face. 
same question to you. What, what are you going to be looking for? Well, I think, again, we're all looking for something that could actually work. Uh, it's been so much effort put in over the last 54 hours. So it's really trying to see where have they put that effort? Have they thought about it? Would it work as something feasible? But we've had some amazing people that have come through and the demos have been great. So it's all now down to this last bit where they're going to do their final pitches. Uh, it's going to be exciting. It certainly seems like we're on the floor. The tension's growing. Can I get your name? I'm Louise Biriteri. I'm the CEO and founder of Pickle Insurance. We do insurance for Airbnb. Fantastic. And what are you going to be looking for in this? Is this your first time as a judge or have you done it before? Yeah, it's my first time as a judge, um, but I've uh, done several years as a mentor. So I've uh, been in oh, the you've teams heard, and down your, on the floor. Yeah. yeah, no, exactly. So what, what's, your, what's your take on what you've seen and what you're looking for? Um, well, I think there's been such a diverse group um, this year. There's so many different ideas. It's certainly very um, interesting to... Um, you know, decide and, and choose between them because they're, they're so varied. Um, I think, you know, as, as the others have said, we're looking for ideas that we think could, could really make it as an idea. Um, you know, how, what kind of competition might they be up against? How would they, um, you know, fare against that competition? Um, what's their business model like? Have they been realistic in terms of how much it might cost them um, to get, get started and how much money they might bring in? Um, so those are all the sorts of things that we're looking at. I'm obviously not going to ask you to name, any, name anyone, <laughs> but have you got your eye on a particular favourite? No, well, I think I think there's a few front runners at the moment, but um, it's you know we've only seen the tech demo, so I think there's still everything to play for in the pitches that we're going to see later on. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. And again, sorry, I don't <laughs> I haven't had the pleasure. Hi, uh, I'm Casper Woolley. I'm founder and chief executive of a uh, modern media company called Sifted that writes specifically for and about uh, European and UK uh, startups and entrepreneurs. Uh, my first time as a judge today, hey. been very excited by everything that I've seen. But perhaps I'd also just comment on the sheer enthusiasm of everybody here. Mm. Uh, it's been great to see students here. It's been great to see people from all walks of life contributing as teams that have only come together in the last three days to create amazing things in under 72 hours. And so I think whoever wins today, all the teams are to be congratulated for... Uh, the spirit that they've shown of entrepreneurship and indeed that ability to create something that hopefully uh, will find uh, companies that will be truly successful. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of East Norfolk College students down there and I've been really touched by the speed in which communities have built, been built around them. They were some of the earliest teams to form on Thursday night. What do you make of that? I think it shows that there is the spirit in this part of the UK, both of entrepreneurship but also of kind of community that Sink the City has been aiming to develop over the last few years. So I'm not surprised at all. Really happy to see it. Fantastic. Now, Fiona's been far too modest, so I'm just going to quickly grab a word with her before I leave you all in peace to continue deliberating. What have you made of it, Fiona? It's been absolutely great. I mean, I love this event. It's one of the flagship events that UEA is involved with, with the tech community. And as others have said, it's been just so great seeing the students and business people coming together, the developers, designers, whatever skill set they've got, they've brought it and they've given it their heart and soul over the last nearly 54 hours. So we've got a few more hours to go. But as the others have said, the demos were brilliant. Um, you can just see the amount of work and passion that's gone into these ideas. So really looking forward to seeing some great pictures tonight. Uh, UEA being a uh, founder of uh, City, you must be really proud to see it going so strongly after, after was it five years now? No, it's, um, this is the eighth year. Wow, silly me. So eighth yes, year. yeah, we started in two, 2014, we kicked off, but we had a, obviously a gap in, the, in 2020, mm -hmm. um, but we've run it every year apart from 2020. 
And yeah, it's got, just gone from strength to strength, really. And uh, we just see the community continue to build and just the support that the mentors give as well, actually. They, they deserve a big shout out. Put a lot of time and effort into their teams um, and really try and support them and develop them. And it doesn't matter what level you're at when you come to Sink the City. No, it doesn't you can, really. You can always learn something and raise yourself up and help others and, and help, help yourself to develop. And the confidence the students get actually from this event is, is phenomenal. And they put it on their CVs and it really yes, helps absolutely. them. Yes, absolutely. Well, there's, and some they've of got even, some help before that, apparently, yes. Some, some of them even get job offers as a result yeah, of this event. I'm not yeah. surprised at all. And, and, and lastly, people coming from quite a distance, coming from Cambridge all over to take part in this. Yes, yes. It's definitely got a much further reach than it had the first year. But every year, it just, as I said, it just seems to get better and better. And we learn and we build in that learning to each event. Fiona Lettis there, Pro Vice-Chancellor for Innovation, at the University of East Anglia, ending that report in camera from the judges' quarters. Hayley Johnson of Artlist, mentor to the fantastic team looking at uh, the recycling app. The, t the moment's nearly here, how are you feeling? Uh, how am I feeling? Like a proud parent right now <laughs> in terms of the resilience that these guys have shown in terms of tackling just some real challenges of, you know, having the confidence to be able to sit and talk in front of their peers, let alone to stand up on stage and bring their story to life. And it's just incredible. Like the journey they've been on is amazing. Do certain teams stick with you throughout the years uh, and not just the ones you mentor but sort of others that are, are in, the, in the mix a hundred percent so you know i think when i think back to this is now my like fourth or fifth sink the city um i've got people that work for me now that the only reason i know them is because of this event um i've got people that um you know the best man at their wedding is because they met at this <laughs> yes, event you know it, it creates huge friendships it, it yeah, creates you know a, a huge network um that is so much more than a platform like LinkedIn you know this is the real living I think we, we you know we can all sort of get behind uh, just the, the the sheer um chutzpah I think of uh, as I said not less Bear grills, more poached otter um <laughs> over there in uh looking at uh, the 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 wild streaming app but I think what sticks with me about your team is the bravery of the girls from East Norfolk College but also the kind of love and support that kind of surrounded them so quickly. I mean, and you, you're a huge part of that. What, what does that mean to you? I think it just means so much, but I can't take credit for that because I was here at the point that the girls kind of came and formed their team. They didn't have to shout, they didn't have to beg for people, you know, they instantly had a group of people that wanted to work them you know they wanted to get behind their idea they absolutely believed in what they were wanting to, to change and you're right it was like this instant love and affection to take you know really young and inexperienced people and just help them bring their kind of dream into a reality and I think it gives them such a really good and positive idea of, of, of a tech workplace going forward. Oh my God, definitely. Like the resilience that something like this builds is phenomenal, you know, and it's like nothing is easy. Like you might map something out that it's going to happen. It never happens in, you know, in that way. And I think this is just a great event to be able to show the resilience you need to be able to go into any business, but especially in a tech business. Thank you, Hayley. Best of luck to you. Thank you. Kate DeVries, a name I know, I've recognised from LinkedIn. We're here with Kate DeVries, Economic Development Officer in Norfolk County Council. Hello, Kate. 
Hello, good to see you. Good to see you too. And Councillor Tom Fitzpatrick, also of Norfolk County Council. Hello, Councillor. Hello, nice to see you and nice to see you here at the event. It's been an absolute pleasure to be, wow. Wow, what a fantastic event. You, I mean, you, you must be so excited to see all the, the, the businesses being sort of formed, formed here and seeing what's going to come of it. Absolutely. And I was here on Thursday evening, so I was yep. able to hear all the original pitches. We saw them whittled down. I think it's the best year ever for the range of really good ideas coming forward. And of course, this year, of course, we've got East Coast College participating, so a younger college, generation. Yeah. Ten of them in. So I'm dying to find out how they got on tonight because obviously tonight is going to be the grand panel, what people have been able to achieve with their time. So it's going to be so exciting. Well, I've just been talking to the, the, the sort of, I don't want to use the word chaperone, but I can't think of, a, of, of another word, but uh, the, 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 the Ellie from, yeah. from East, East Norfolk College. And I've been stressing to her how proud she should be of the young people, how, how bold, how brave, how creative, and how much the community have embraced them. That must be really, really encouraging for the future of Norfolk. It is, yeah, and this is exactly the sort of event we need to do, not just put the event on, get the people to come, but actually follow up and show them that actually you've got good ideas, you've got good skills, and Norfolk wants you because actually these young people are the future of Norfolk, and these ideas, doesn't matter how off the, off the wall they, they seem to be, something different, that's, that's what gives the next big company or maybe just the next breakthrough. So really worth encouraging, but we want to keep these people here, develop their skills here, but actually work here as well. That is absolutely, as they, as they say in, uh, in, uh, in America, boom, there it is. Yeah. That's the quote, that's the, that's the, that's the money one. Uh, thank you very much, have a wonderful evening, enjoy it. Thank you, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm standing here looking at Tim Smith with his very, very swish, freshly printed, Dicecasters t-shirt. Uh, you've got all this 3D printing equipment here and you know your team are, are looking very unified and, and poised to get up there. Um, how is it going? Are you looking forward to this? Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm, everything's all come together. Not last minute, but very quickly. It very quickly became today like, we've got this done, we've got this done. Like the to-do list was just getting ticked off. It felt really, really good. Um, the, we have the world's greatest designer yeah. So the slide deck behind me is going to make me look real good. <laughs> good, good. So yeah, really, really exciting. Really, really excited. Good. And uh, you know, there was there was I sitting at home signing up merrily to your uh, yes. to, to your uh, <laughs> online portal and saying and uh, that, that doesn't sound right. I was so, <laughs> to your page online your page uh, and looking forward to seeing what comes of that. Yes. Yeah. It's really exciting. Uh, we've had an immense amount of interest from real people. Real people are like, yeah, I, I make board games. I want. I, yeah. I want in. How do I sign up? So yeah, yeah. it's it's been really really encouraging to. Everyone we've spoken to has kind of proved what we're trying to say. Is that this needs to exist. <laughs> I mean, it almost feels like you don't need this bit. You, you're just ready yeah, to go into the world. <laughs> we're done. We're done. We probably won't pitch. <laughs> okay, we're just, just going to go. We're just yeah, going to go. Yeah, and we, you know. But uh, well, all the best to you. Really exciting. It's really, really, really fun to see you guys looking so so together as as, as a unit. You know, yeah. sort of. A, not saying the others aren't teams, but you just got that proper team vibe yeah. about it now. Yeah. The t-shirts help. Yeah. But also, we're a really good team. That, that helps. <laughs> Nick Anderson, yes. it's day three. I think it's probably just as well that a sign has obliterated the countdown clock because that really helps numb the pressure a little bit. How's it going? It's going very well. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to say surprisingly well because that would indicate that I didn't have faith in him to begin with, but um, it has gone really, really well and uh, got an amazing team, so I didn't need to worry at all. So, yeah. Have you, have you got your team name now? Because when we spoke yesterday morning, you, you were still working on it. 
Yes, and I've, I'm glad it's up on the board because I can now read it directly. It's enhanced interiors. Well, it does what it says on the tin, which is always a very good, very good way to start. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but the uh, what I'm particularly pleased as well is with the the logo as well and uh, EI sort of uh, you know supposed to be like AI, so we're kind of able to make it sort of feel modern. And the designers did an amazing job getting a fantastic kind of site and uh, pitch together. So yeah, it's it's really really uh, taken off. Well, I'm looking forward to, to watching the, the, the show and tell, and, uh, or, or have I missed that bit? I hope I haven't missed that bit. Uh, the bits coming up will be the pitches, but the technical um, show and tells, the, um, oh, what you call it? the prototypes, uh, that bit's gone, I think. Okay, dearie me. Never mind. Um, so but a we'll... clip of ours in the background of our presentation, so you'll be able to see it. Aha, uh-huh. well, I'm looking forward to that bit anyway, so uh, uh, congratulations and uh, all the best of luck. Nina Ryan of Leeds Prior Solicitors. Leeds Prior Solicitors. What a fantastic, a fantastic firm. And I, I'm, I'm hoping now I can get some help with my CIC paperwork. <laughs> Nina Ryan, who can literally say she mentored a team with one hand tied behind her back? Well, Th- that's fun. my team. <laughs> that's your team. Well, that votes well, doesn't it? Exactly. That's so how much fun we had. Your team being? Uh, being the AI hypnotherapy app Elevate. Oh, wow. That's your... So we've, I've spoken to a member of your team already, Sorry. but it's great oh, to excellent. talk to the mentor. Um, fantastic mentor. Yeah. Fantastic mentor. Yeah, yeah, very helpful. You heard it here first. Nina Ryan, fantastic, very helpful. What are you doing when you're not a mentor? I am a corporate and commercial solicitor. Well, okay, so I, I, better, I better make sure this one's watertight and, and non-litigious. Um, so this, this, is this your first time? It's not. I've taken part in the event before. Um, so I came and pitched and then led a team and sort of did the final five minutes at the end. And then I have mentored before as well. Oh, what? Twice? Three times? Uh, just once before. So this is second right. time mentoring. Second time. Well, you must enjoy it. Yeah, it's really good fun. It's yeah, it must a, be. Yeah. And we've had it. It's, I was floating mentor yesterday. So I got, oh, right, you were. got a little idea of a bit of what everyone was doing. So that ah, was Ah, nice. cunning. I like, I like, <laughs> I like your style. Um, so... What, what is it? I mean, do you have a tech background, or are you looking to really sort of bring that realism about a bit being a business? Uh, yeah, it's really the business side of things, and I also specialise in intellectual property law, so I've been helping with a bit of the sort of branding ideas and that side of things. Um, but it's yeah, sort of general business help that I was here for, <laughs> and experience of the event format. <laughs> yes. Well. And well, I've, that, that's it really. I just you, you're moving around so quickly and doing it one armed, and it's the one arm, one armed bandit um, Nina Ryan who is who's mentoring the hypnotherapy. Are you really are you co- quietly confident? Quietly confident, yeah. I think it's a great idea. So fingers crossed. Well, good luck. I, I wish you all well. It was a really interesting team you built around you, uh, so it, that you helped coalesce, I should say. Uh, and uh, good luck. Thank you very much. My name's Ellie Buckin and I'm the Faculty Leader of Computing, Music and Media Studies at East Norfolk Sixth Form College in Galston. Well, you must be incredibly proud of your students. I can't even put it into words, although I'll try. Um, Yeah, proud doesn't even cut it. So they're from a range of the subjects that we have at the college, um, all at level three, so A-levels, B-techs and the new digital T-levels. So they're doing a range of subjects. Um, They've got a range of skills. I think they were all nervous because they expected that everybody would be the full package when they got here. Um, But I'm so proud that um, a number of them did do the pitch on the first night. Not only did two of them get whittled down to the last 20, um, but then one of the students there, I do, was actually selected 
for the final as well. So um, they've been able to work with professionals on their individual idea as well. Um, but even the students who didn't pitch, they've been working to develop these fantastic ideas um, into professional products um, and all of them really have a place in the marketplace as well. No, that was brilliant. That was brilliant. <laughs> no, because I'm a completely neutral observer here. I was just asked to come along by the organisers and just sort of record it uh, and put it out on the podcast for, for posterity. But what, you know, there's lots of things, lots of take-homes for me. But one of the big ones is just the maturity, the creativity and the presence of your students to, to stand up, hold their own. And, and, and not only that, but to encourage people to race, you know, to, and form around their idea. Absolutely, and let's face it, they get some pretty bad press, you know, um, being youngsters and um, being teenagers, um, but it's just simply not the case. Um, they have been incredibly mature, and um, they've been really positive. Um, this morning, most of it was taken up um, by the professional team members coming over to me and singing their praises. Um, yeah, and rightly so. Oh, God, absolutely. Um, they've been offered work placements, uh, they've been saying... Oh, wow. Yeah, even yeah, there's some organisations they've never offered work experience before, but they want to because they've met such wonderful talent um, at a young age. So, I mean, I, like I said, Proud doesn't even cut it. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, I was speaking to them yesterday morning and, you know, uh, uh, Hayley Johnson over there, who was the mentor for the team, sort of guided them through what is, I have to say, a very unthreatening interview with, with, with yours truly. <laughs> but they did so well. You, you know, you and the college, I'm sure, as we say, are very proud of them. And, you know, I'm not saying we expect great things, but we're certainly going to get them. Oh, I expect great things. Um, and if I could also say, yeah, absolutely, the mentors, um, Hayley in particular, because we've worked really closely with her, um, but the mentors across all of the teams, the organisation of the event as a whole, I mean, we can't wait to be back. It's a shame it's, you know, we've got to wait until next year for the next one. Yes. Um, and I'd quite like to take part myself as well. <laughs> you should, you absolutely should. And what it's, it's such a community, it's, it's, you know, and anyone listening to this, people have come from Cambridge, from all over the region, from all over the country to take part. You absolutely should. It's a fantastic community feel. East Norfolk College are here. We'd like to see more colleges engaged. And, you know, and Ellie's just going to give you a very brief words about how you felt about the whole thing coming over. And uh, we'll leave you there. Yep, so incredible. It's really accessible. Um, any young people who are put off or apprehensive because they might not feel they've got all the skills, that's completely expected. But actually, I think ours have really held their own. And it's just a brilliant event for all young people, professionals, people from all walks of life, all different industries to get involved in. Um, yeah, there's no reason why anybody can't get involved. Well, congratulations to East, East, East Norfolk College, and we, we look forward to seeing the result. Thank you. Thank you. John Fagan, Sink the City Supremo. It's getting <laughs> very, uh, very close to uh, go time. How are you feeling? I mean, eight, uh, how many years is this now? I mean, is it, is, it, is it now like water off a duck's back at this point, or are you like still quite... Well, yeah, it's the eighth year we've been doing it. Um, it's getting easier because we, we, yeah, I'd say it's still this last hour and two is just absolutely mayhem. We're all rushing around to do, you know, uh, just finish off everything because basically we're trying to, the, the whole event now turns into showtime. So we're trying to put on a show. We've got, you know, people coming from, having been from the public joining us. So we'll probably have about 50, 60 people and we just want to put on the best show. We're live streaming it, yeah. there's loads of different things happening, so it's just making sure that all goes smoothly, getting people in the right place at the right time, and then hopefully, uh, yeah, we get some really good pictures. Well, the, the judges, I've uh, just popped up to see the judges, they seem very excited about what they've seen, 
uh, I've been listening back to the past the past couple of days, and it, it sounds really, really good. Lots of real great enthusiasm building over the period, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what this what comes up. But congratulations to you. I mean, it, after eight years, I, but it, it, this is my first time, and it, and it is an amazing, amazing thing. People coming from all over to take part in this. Uh, congratulations, and, and 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 I suppose well done, and thank you. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, as of like the last seven years, we've had 80 teams participate in it, which is about thousand people. So we can add another 10 to that that's 90 teams so we're hitting a thousand one hundred people that this has impacted had really good feedback already even before we've done the final presentation so yeah really really proud of what the team does here and looking forward to the final show yeah we're signing up to one of the one of your teams already this afternoon on uh, via linkedin but uh, congratulations i'm really looking forward to this well done Enhanced 
interiors. Let me reset the scene. This time, you have an advantage over the warlord. You have EI. You open the app, you pick a wallpaper of your choice, you point your camera at the wall, and voila, you have a 3D augmented reality depiction of the wallpaper on the wall before you bought it. Once you found a wallpaper of your choice, you'll be directed straight to the supplier for online order. So, um, my question to you is, your, one of your key customers are the suppliers, I assume, companies like B&Q and so on. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, what would make them come to you? How, how will you get them to sign up to your app and product? Hi everyone, my name's Joe, and this is Wedding Row. We connect travellers with local hosts to provide an authentic travel experience. So we've all been there, right? Missold Instagram-worthy locations which turn out to be overcrowded and overpriced tourist traps. This is something we all want to avoid. The problem is that to avoid this, we spend hours scrolling through review sites and travel blogs, cobbling together a plan and hoping what we've found is an authentic experience. We surveyed around 250 people in the UK and in China, and almost everyone said that the two biggest concerns they had with traveling is planning it and being ripped off. How does this compare to or differ from Airbnb and now that they host experiences on there as well as accommodation? So the, the difference would be the tailored. So everybody associates Airbnb with booking where you're staying. They don't associate it necessarily with those experiences. Um, I think we can break into that market by providing those itineraries by the locals as opposed to sort of their AI recommended suggestions, much like other websites. Hello, I'm Claire. Tonight I want to talk to you about the menopause. It's a medical condition that will affect 50% of the world's population at some point in their life. And it's costing businesses money. Our idea is to take data from smartwatches, data that is already being uh, created and collected, and use that uh, data such as um, sleep patterns, anxiety levels, and temperature, and use this with uh, a known medical model to provide data analysis on the user as to which they, as to where they are on the road to the menopause. Um, I was just interested in exploring a little bit further with you the employer proposition. Um, so clearly for them it's a sort of fairly small-ish number of their employees um, and they might be using other sort of health platforms and tools. So had you considered what else they might be using and how yours sits alongside a sort of broader offering in this sort of health and wellbeing space? Yes, well cer certainly. And, and to be honest, it could be a huge proportion of, a, of the workforce depending on the industry you're talking about, whether it's healthcare, whether it's education. So, so it could be a, a huge part of the, the workforce. 
I would bet that most, if not all of you, have had an idea at some point for a game, or a board game, or a tabletop game. And I bet nothing really came of it, it was just an idea. My name is Tim, and we are Dicecasters. We're going to help bring your tabletop game to life. Board games are back, baby! And with a vengeance! Oh, yeah. So the, the, game, the game design engine isn't a one-stop thing. You use it, you, you put the data of the game in, you get that data, you put it into place. You get your testers to come and test the game. And then you're like, okay, well, I'm getting some weird feedback. People are coming over, let's put it back in the game engine. I still have access to it because I'm still a subscriber. And they go back to it. And then, but but the, the, the whole model benefits from the fact that, yeah, I might only be developing a game for six months, but I'm also a gamer. I'm probably going to do it again. I'm probably going to come back for 12 months because I've got a bigger idea for the next one. And then we've got the marketplace, and that's how we keep them, keep them, keep them, without they can't get away, sort of thing. But not horrible and sinister like I just made it sound. <laughs> 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 Thanks for that. Um... Good evening. I'm Lila. I'm a film student from NUA, and this is Shadow, unlocking your storyboard. Whether it is a film, a YouTube video, or an advert, it all starts at the same place, an idea. But before we pick up a camera, we need to visualize it. We need to have a visual representation of what it would look like. There is a storyboard. The problem is that a lot of creative people don't have the artistic skills to be great at storyboarding. Shadow is a web app that unlocks the storyboarding from the creator's mind. My understanding from the graph you showed, and you said you need half a million investment, do you expect it to be breaking even in the first year? Our business um, expert said we could do it, it's uh, doable. Um, the money would be mostly for human resources of developers and people working on the product. Hello everyone, my name is Anzor. And my name is Honey, and we are Recycle Junkie. From our research, we found that 100% of people between the ages of 20 to 40 were consciously recycling. That's good, right? Well, 71% of those people said that they need to improve on their habits. They are either lazy, they lack knowledge, they don't have the time, and there's no space because they forget to put their bins out. Our friend Hayley over there forgets to put her bins out. And when she has no space, when she has no space, she just puts it in any bin. <gasps> We, we know there's a problem, we can see there's a problem. 50 million 
tons of waste goes to landfill each year. That's 50 million tons that does not need to go there. And I believe, well, I know that we can fix this through the correct methods of recycling. So do you know? Well, it's not about making money. Um, it's about saving the world. So basically, any money we do make... <laughs> Hello. 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 My name is Sean and I'm from Trust Me. We are using <coughs> undeniable blockchain technology to solve the problem of false claims, false claims in CVs. Recruitment has a problem. People appear to be lying in their CVs in rather large numbers. People are making life-threatening claims about non-existent medical skills. There is a crisis of trust in society. That crisis will extend to recruitment without radical change. Fake claims on CVs are estimated to be costing business $600 billion annually. It's a big number. $17 billion of that is down to just the, co the processing costs working out whether there is truth in the CV or not. Trust Me is creating a blockchain platform that creates certainty. How do you feel that you can develop this without LinkedIn really getting involved? Um, and more importantly, how could you stop them from just stealing it? Well, I guess you might have asked a similar question about LinkedIn when it started. Why, why, why would you do LinkedIn when there were those wonderful things called newspapers that were doing a perfectly great job? So improvement is always the answer. Today I'm going to be talking to you about Elevate. This is a clinical hypnotherapy tool using, that we can use to reduce the symptoms of anxiety using modern technologies. Anxiety is pervasive in today's society. Everyone feels anxiety. It's that fear, that dread, that unease especially when you're presenting in front of 100 people on a company you just made 54 hours ago. However, when anxiety starts to affect your day-to-day -day life, then it can become a problem. Anxiety disorder costs the NHS 71 million pounds per year and affects 8 million people in the UK at any time. You're using hypnotherapy, um, but um, could there be other techniques that could be used? Is it quite restrictive just using one technique within the app? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's within our kind of goal list. So within the hypnotherapy is our main selling point. But we also wanted to provide other goals for patients to take on, to take that more holistic approach, such as mindfulness, walking. Hypnotherapy is just one of the main things that we're focusing on. That's a great question. Thank you. People in the audience voted for this idea to go into the top 10 so I could come back this evening and pitch this idea to you. You believed in this idea, but it's not just you who believed in this idea. Yesterday, we, in the space of a few hours, raised 20,000 pounds in pledge donations from other people who want to support this. On top of that, 
We've also raised 120 hours from business mentors, coaches, therapists, and business owners who want to support this every single month. We know we can't just rely on donations, so after today, we will be going away, doing fundraising, and applying. Thank you for the uh, amazing presentation, it was great. Um, we did have some questions, but I'm just going to straight away go into the donations you said you have had pledged in this time. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Um, well, luckily through starting my business, we now have a very large network of business owners. And we only contacted a handful of them yesterday, and all of them came back pledged thousands and thousands. We have lost touch with the sacred. We have cut our roots with Mother Nature. We have dismembered the ties to survivalism. And we've replaced them with brands, cosmetics, accessories. And people, we've forgotten how to socialize. Human beings, we are social creatures. It's encoded deep down in our DNA. Have you ever watched an episode of Bear Grylls or I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here? And you thought to yourself, I could do that. <laughs> well, now you can. Whether you're part of a group, whether you're going solo, whether it's a team building activity, or whether you're looking for a child parent bonding experience, we at Wild Streams are offering you the ultimate, absolute, ultimate, interactive, live stream survival experience. Can we just investigate, do you think you can charge people just for dropping them in a forest, even if it's interactive? Or have you, have you considered the cost of the the wraparound, the, the barbecue afterwards, the training beforehand. How and where does all that happen if it does happen? Well, the good fun part is this this whole notion of just dumping someone in the forest saying, okay, bye bye, now give us 800 pounds, sounds quite ridiculous when you do phrase it that way. But there is training, there is survival, there's there's this uh, survival training of it, and at the same time, it's being broadcast to your friends and family, your colleagues. you judges in terms of the job that you have got ahead of you because you need to choose which one of these incredible teams is going to win the £3,000 prize and it's not easy for the people in the room either because you're going to have to choose who's going to be your people's choice and take home the £1,000 prize. We've got a Brucey bonus in here with £500 that will be used for the best um, team that's used the web technology and the learning I think we'll all agree guys it's absolutely priceless but what they also get is a Norfolk Network membership
Hello, who are you voting for? I'm voting for Pause, the Menopause app. Okay, fantastic, thank you. Who are you voting for? The Dice uh, guy. Dice casters guy, right. Who are you voting for? Most definitely Pause. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Absolutely, Pause again. Yeah. Ooh, popular choice. I, who are you I, voting for? Uh, I, I, uh, or are you going to decide on the way? Uh, Shadow. How about you, can you tell me who you're voting for? Edward Father Wayne Rome. Fantastic. Hello, who are you going to vote for? I think the, the idea of the um, wedding in Rome when you go travelling, oh, that's right. a really good idea. Hello, can I ask who you're voting for? I'm going to vote for the recycling option. Fantastic, yes, well done. Thank you. thank you. How about you? Who are you going to vote for? I'm still undecided at this stage. Oh, right, still lots to play for. Got, have you decided, Julie? Who's it going to be? Recruitment junkie. Oh, recycling junkie. Recycling junkie. Very good. Where are the judges? <laughs> oh, okay, you can. Yes, so they've made a decision. If you don't win tonight, don't be sad. What you guys have achieved in the last 54 hours is amazing. You know, you, we saw, like, in all those presentations we saw today, started with nothing on Thursday, joining a team with people, you know, that they're first time they've met. So it's amazing to see that what's been produced in that short space of time. So without further ado, we'll hand over to So Alice, are you gonna do the People's Choice? So the People's Choice is Recycle Junkie. <laughs> I can't. I was crying through the whole thing. I was crying out there when I saw the rehearsals. And honestly, for those of you who was here on Thursday night, like, we had someone that I had to beg at the back there to come up and share her idea. She thought, and actually some people quite close to her told her it wasn't a very good idea. What do you want to say to those people now? First of all, yeah, Sean Goff. How does it feel having carried off the, the, the main prize of the evening? Well, we're in a state of shock, to be honest. We didn't expect that. I mean, we knew we had a strong idea, but there were some fabulous, fabulous ideas and presentations up there tonight. So we weren't entirely sure we were going to win that. Well, the judges were full of praise for what they thought was a very, uh, you know, a, a very viable business proposition and making use of NFTs. 
What do you think was the, the secret ingredient that pushed you over the top? I think the use case is actually real. It's not just BS that people are faking their CVs. They really are faking their CVs. I mean, we gave a couple of examples on stage. There's a doctor who was struck off the NHS this, this year for having worked for 27 years without any formal qualifications. Really? This is a real problem. Really? Yeah, that's, oh that's life-threatening stuff. Yeah, that is. Okay. So we're not making up some flaky idea here. Mm. There is a genuine problem. Um, somebody spoke to me afterwards and said at Aviva, they acknowledge it as one of the major business challenges that they face, yeah. recruiting, pe recruiting people with real skills. Uh, well, I think we all look forward to, to seeing Trust Me being the, the, the trusted haha, name in, uh, in, in, in CV, what's verification, in CV verification, and, you know, qualifications. I mean, you'll, you'll be beating off universities with a stick, I would think, and employers too. Yeah, it should work for all sorts of organisations. I think for universities, that's a really strong use case as well. I mean, particularly, they want to keep, they want to keep that user group of their alumni together. Mm. That's where their future funding often comes from. So for them, I think it's a very powerful use case. Well, congratulations, enjoy the win, and we look forward to seeing more of Trust Me in the future. Thank you so much, it's been a great evening. First year, <laughs> first time out of the traps, and James Adams brings it home with Trust Me. How does that feel? Uh, like, incredible, obviously. Um, but it, what, like, I literally did nothing. <laughs> like, I didn't do it, was the uh, it was the team, team's idea. Um, they executed on all of the all that needed to be done, and um, they're a great team. You've been described to me tonight as perhaps the the most viable of the businesses here here here. Most Pile. viable, most likely to succeed. Definitely going to happen. Watch this space. No, no, no. <laughs> we have, a, we have, we have photographic because because the judges couldn't figure out what the signs meant. We have, we have, oh, we have photographic evidence of us holding the U1 sign because they accidentally gave it to us. It was the old La La Land moonlight moment once again, and this was much more important. About it, that I think we, most of us will do it yes. just out of passion. So we're going to keep this going, guys. Well, I hope so. I hope to, great things Thank to you. come from you, Tim Smith, and the team of Dicecasters. Best of luck. It. It's really important to note. I was on stage, but like everyone committed such a huge equal part. It was incredible. Fantastic. Congratulations on the NFT award. Yeah, that's I, insane. I, I, I don't know what it means. I think it means Nevada Fried Turtle. This is exactly what it means. Well done. Thank you. First time. That's yeah, the middle-aged man in me. So, congratulations. Well Thank done. You, mate. Thank you. You've been described to me tonight as perhaps the, the most viable of the businesses here, here, here. Most Pile. viable, most likely to succeed. Definitely going to happen. Watch this space. No, no, no. <laughs> we have, a, we have, we have photographic really because because the judges couldn't figure out what the signs meant. We have, we have, oh, we have oh. photographic evidence of us holding the U1 sign because yeah. they accidentally gave it and to us. It was the old La La Land moonlight moment once again, and this yeah. was much more important. <laughs> about it that I think we, most of us will do it just out of passion so we're gonna keep this going guys well I hope so I hope to, great things Thank to you. come from you Tim Smith and the team of Dicecasters best of luck it. it's really important to note I was on stage but like everyone committed such a huge equal part it was incredible
Fantastic. Congratulations on the NFT award. Yeah, that's I, insane. I, 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 I don't know what it means. I think it means Nevada Fried Turtle. This is exactly what it means. Well done. Thank you. First time. That's yeah, the middle-aged man in me. So congratulations. Well Thank done. You, mate. Thank you. Well, I'm here with the team behind Recycle Junkie and... Can I just say, I remember talking to Honey yesterday morning and you were quite shy, I think that's fair. Uh, and and uh, oh my God, what a transformation up there. And how did you find it? I'm, I'm kind of almost lost for words because that was so brilliant. Um, I kind of enjoyed it and I just wanted to get the message across more than anything. You did that and you did it in spades. Team, Absolutely what do you think? Brilliant. Oh, she smashed it. Absolutely smashed it. Well, we, we know, uh, uh, no pressure, but we are expecting great things from you. And uh, Jason, friend of the show, I expect you made a, a run for this team like like, like anything. Well, we, we've only been together for just about 54 hours, as you know. And when we met Honey, and unfortunately Gemma couldn't be with us today, um, you know, we thought, oh, okay, well, we're going to have to work hard. But everybody in the team has worked hard to help Honey and um, and Anna, wherever he's gone, to get to this point. And I thought it was an absolutely amazing representation of all the work that we've done. You brought it all together for us, and you showed us exactly where we need to go. It's and amazing. Hi, Tom. She's come here and she's demonstrated that actually people really care about this and it's still an issue. So therefore we've been given the opportunity to try and smash out an idea in 54 hours, which I feel we've executed very well. Honey nailed the presentation on stage and hopefully we're going to make a huge impact. I'm here with one of the judges, Louise Biriteri, uh, CEO of Pick. That's right. Thank you very much. I, I do my research. And a bit of a bit of an award show cliche, but how difficult was that decision? It was it was very difficult. So um, uh, the judges have been here um, since one o'clock uh, today. Um, we have um, seen tech demos in the in the background. We've gone through business plans. We've gone through um, the business models and marketing plans and things like that, as well as seeing the final pitches uh, that were happened tonight. So you know our decision was 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 based on all of those factors. And um, it's really funny, isn't it? Because you know we we may have had some thoughts after all seeing all of the materials and then. Uh, and once you actually then see the pictures, you know that that's changed a few minds. So yeah. it made it very very tough actually, um, because we you know sort of thought we knew where we were going, and actually then you know it really made our, our uh, decisions difficult. Um, but um, no, but in the end, you know the the, the winner. Um, we really felt that they had um, a, a really viable business model, um, and actually a really good um, use of NFT um, in being able to tokenize how people. Um, can validate and verify their work history and their career history and, and, and educa education as well. Um, so um, I really hope that they do go forward and actually try and build that as a business because I think it could be a really exciting business. And, and how difficult is the split between head and heart in things like this? Oh, really tough. Um, there were certainly, you know, um, some, some really good ones there. I mean, uh, uh, we, we certainly did a call out for um, and um, in how good their brand, how good their presentation uh, was. Um, and, you know, that one did really pull on the heartstrings. And again, you know, I really hope people do go ahead and do some of these um, these ideas. I wish we could give more prizes out. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, you know, in the end, uh, what we tried to do was balance the heart 
and all of those other factors together in whether or not we felt it was a viable business. Well, they, they do say a good business decision makes the heart weep. Um, but um, thank you very much. It's, 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 it is, I, I don't envy you. It must be a very tough decision. So you did a fantastic job. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was just a taster of this wonderful event. And what I love about Sink the City is that no one truly loses. True, one team scoops the grand prize, but others will have impressed. And as you've heard already, employers do have a keen eye open for the talent on display, which is both evident and in abundance. I'm hugely impressed by all the participants and to single anyone out would be unfair. Though I must give my thanks to John Fagan and all the Sink the City crew for inviting me to attend and giving me unfettered access. And to everyone who took part in Sink the City this year, you make the event what it is, which, in a word, is spectacular. And now... There are few places in popular culture more beloved than the little shop. From Edward and Tubbs and their local shop for local people will have no trouble here, to Bernard Black's bookshop, the two Ronnie's four candles, and the granddaddy of them all, Arkwright's corner shop from open all hours. So let's take a metaphysical stroll down a high street near you, open the door, and browse in this week's Crowd Sorcery. At the head of the queue is Katie Oven, architectural assistant at Hudson Architects, who says, Macarons and more, as they sell me my brain food. Essential, as well as the occasional delightful gift, of course. That's in the Royal Arcade, Norwich Macaron fans. Keep your eye out for French President Emmanuel Macaron. CJ Green, co-founder of Brave Goose, co-creator of Clever Goose HR Tech, and chair of the New Anglia Local Enterprise Partnership, says... Hilary and Alice of Dis, which CJ tells us is both quirky and quaint in exactly the right quantities. Also quirky and quaint in exactly the right quantities and often to be found in Dis is Chris Sargison, CEO of Dis and Thetford Citizens Advice and consultant at Sargison Associates. Chris says, Sound Clash Records, obviously. Well, of course. And this one's for you, Chris. Hey, thank you all. Another former guest on this show, Simon Blackwell, hemp entrepreneur and founder of Hemp Innovations Limited. My little gem, says Simon, has got to be Hawthorne and Bee in Deerham. They have a way and pay, as well as a great selection of regional products. Oh, a way and pay. A quarter of jelly babies, please. Good friend of the show, Simon Hughes, says, although not one for everyday shopping, Bowhill and Elliot. English slippers, handmade in their Norwich workshop since 1874. You can take a look at bowhillandelliot.co.uk and wow, that is some fancy footwear. John Nortcliffe, director of Redhead Architects and bastion of the built environment, favours the venerable and clearly venerated Norwich hardware heaven that is thorns. All day long, says John. Presumably that's because he can't find the right kind of nail. 
genuflecting before this choice by John, our hard hat high priest of hardware and home furnishings, are Matt Wood and Chris Sargison, the latter of whom completes the liturgy with a simple Amen. May it live forever. And now we welcome to the whimsical world of crowd sorcery Jonathan Cage, managing director at Create Consulting Engineers, who has a definite theme to his choice. The Cuppy Hut and the Brownie Cafe near the Guildhall, both in Norwich, and finally Gerald's. Not quite a little shop, admits Jonathan. It is still very special. Jonathan, Gerald's is Norwich. There are no two ways about it. And just when you think it's time to cash up for the day, turn the sign around, lock up and go home. Sarah Tunnicliffe, operations manager at Hudson Architects, dives through the door with one final offering. The Elm Hill Craft Shop in Norwich. Well, fabulous choice there. But our final customer today is this week's special guest, Tim Robinson, who gives us a whole tour of the small retail establishment. For homewares, says Tim, it's Tea and Kate in Felixstowe. That's tea as in the drink. And teaandkate.co.uk, an interior concept store, stocking leading design brands such as Hey, Muto, and Menu. Now, I don't know what any of those are, but they seem very nice to me. For children's stuff, it's ottieandthebee.com. That's ottieandthebee, spelt B-E-A, dot com, in Framlingham and South London. Otty and the Bee, a modern toy shop in Framlingham and this little place I've never heard of, South East London. Yes, that's it. And for threads, Tim recommends uniformresearch.co.uk in Woodbridge. Well, I had felt concerned that I haven't been paying enough attention to Suffolk recently, but Tim has seen me right with those choices. Thank you, Tim, and thank you all. Next week, we'll be looking at the road less travelled. Where in the east of England have you always wanted to go but never been? And why? That's currently up on my feed on LinkedIn. So if you search for me, Mike Rigby, and click on the one who looks like a potato wearing glasses, you should find me just fine. And that's a wrap for episode 46 of Eastern Promise. I've been Mike Rigby. Thank you to Tim Robinson, who makes the most excellent coffee, as has been mentioned, and is a fearless advocate for the region's tech sector. To the assembled masses at the 2022 Sink the City, and to Engineer 49, Lockkeeper of the Auditory Canal. Next week, our last show of 2022, we're off to the Innovation Centre at the University of Essex in Colchester. Yep, Eastern Promise has headed south to find one of the most exciting innovation hubs in our region, meeting the effervescent Georgia Watts and the impossibly wise and unfairly handsome Neil Griffin. It's a bit hard on the podcast also, but do look out for Elvis. Until then... Stay warm, keep safe, and join me next week. Bye for now.